Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I was looking at Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, and I do love these verses, but it's interesting how God will say something so clearly, and yet... Oftentimes, what we either forget it or we've never read it or we've never taken the time to slow down and look at it. But I want to read them to you and then I want us to think about what these things mean in our lives because we need to know what God thinks. <laughs> Proverbs six sixteen through 19. It says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. I think it's so interesting, first of all, that it says these six things God hates, seven are an abomination. Isn't that interesting? Hates, you know, when I looked it up in the Hebrew, um, it basically, it's idiomatic to anything that's an enemy of God, which is interesting, the word hate. So these six things are enemies to God, but seven are an abomination. And abomination in the Hebrew basically translates disgusting to God. So I think we should look at, you know, I want to know what God hates. And I also want to know which one is disgusting to God. And I, I think that he's, he's revealed what it is just in light of what we know from other scripture. It's so important that when we look at scripture that we look at it in light of all the scripture so that we can get a full picture of the word. You know, I often hear people say, well, you really shouldn't even read anything but the New Testament. But the Old Testament not only points to the New Testament, but explains the New Testament. And um, of course, we're reading Proverbs, which is Old Testament, but they are still so true today for our lives. So seven things are enemies, and one thing is disgusting, and they should be us to us too, you know? And we should know them. Proverbs six seventeen, a proud look. I like words. You all know I love words. So Hebrew, proud means lofty, rise up, exalt oneself, to lift oneself, magnify oneself. But it also means to be rotten, to be wormy, you know? And um, I personally, I'm just going to throw this out there. I think that this is the one that's the abomination. Because it is that which caused Lucifer, the angel of light, to fall and become Satan, the devil, our enemy, our adversary, and the third of the angels to fall with him. Pride. Pride. 
I think pride is an abomination. And in, in our own lives, I don't think that we look at it enough. I, I had a really good friend, and this is just a good example, but um, she was talking about how um, she just did not understand why parents could not get their children to mind and be quiet and she was talking about her first three children and that you know she directed them all the same way and they were all very obedient and complacent children and she just had a real pride in the fact that they had raised them um, very deliberately and in a very good environment and um, it consistently etc 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 and then she had her fourth child <laughs> and the fourth child was like out of control you know and she was like I raised the fourth one just like I did the other three and she said God you know really showed me how much pride I had in in and looking at other people's children or looking at other people's families or, you know, comparing myself to other people. And we need to look at pride because I really believe it's an abomination to God. It is disgusting to him. And I, I see it in my life a lot and have to just back up. And it's sometimes in really small ways. I mean, we even think we can outsmart God, you know. Um, he scientifically... Almost everything in the Bible, well, I think probably everything in the Bible at this point, but to my knowledge, scientists are discovering that God is right and right on with the planets and with all of the things that he's asked the Hebrews to do and eat and not eat and why and um, because pork could make you sick if you didn't have it fully cooked and Blah, blah, blah. A child, a baby boy to be circumcised on the eighth day. You know, God says circumcise them on the eighth day. Well, the Hebrew people could not have known that that was the day that a baby's body had the ability to clot. And we think we're so smart. What if what if they were going to move tents and go somewhere and the dad said, you know what, it's only the sixth day, but I'm just going to get this over with. I mean, think about the things that we do that we try to sort of outsmart God. This is a really silly example, but I was walking this morning and, and um, God just gave me this example of, of me thinking... Um, just, I don't know, sometimes we think man's ways are so much better. And this is just a silly example, but I'm not a yoke person, okay? I mean, egg whites with feta cheese and spinach and um, an awesome omelet and mushrooms, great, that's great. But I'm not a runny yoke person. I'm, I'm friends with runny yoke people. I am. I'm not prejudiced against people who like runny yolk, but I just don't. And so I tend to make eggs without yolk, and I have noticed that I get a stomach ache, or it just doesn't settle with me. And I come to find out that the yolk actually has the enzymes, or whatever it is, I may have misspoken on that, but it has the ability 
for your body to take in the eggs. It's just interesting because science figures that out, but God already knew that. And he does things for a reason, and we try to outsmart him all the time. Um, I may get a lot of hate mail from um, dentists. I hope not, but putting fluoride in our water, you know, it, I mean, we, we've come to find out, golly, why do so many people have thyroid disease? Why is that so rampant? Well, the uh, fluoride attacks your thyroid gland. And, and, I mean, there's just a lot of things that we're discovering as in, you know, really God's right. Let's just keep things pure and clean and as much as we can. And those are just physical examples. Pride to me, is like the scariest of all. Those are just tiny prideful examples, but it's interesting how we'll go, gosh, you know, I thought I knew better than than God. Um, Think about how many different diets have gone through the 80s. It seems like if I had another baked potato, I was going to hurl. I mean, that was the thing, eat carbs. And And then the 90s, it was like, eat only protein. And then it's Oh, eat a little bit of everything. Oh, really? Is that why God made everything for us to eat? Is that why he said that? And so we just, we're, we're interesting little species and what we listen to. But pride, back to pride in a big way. What is really scary to me and what I see right now um, is any of us that become in any type of leadership position where we, A, do not listen, or B, are not held accountable by anyone. You've got to have somebody that you will listen to, even if you don't like what they're saying, and that you're accountable to, or else you are in trouble. And it it literally scares me because I see a world leader, multiple world leaders right now that I don't think listen to wise counsel. And I do not think are accountable to others. And even um, in the way that our founding fathers set up this country, we need to be accountable and, and let democracy have its um, system that was set up to have checks and rechecks. But in our own lives, let's go back to our own lives. Who are you accountable to? Who? Seriously, you can't just say God because seriously, there really does need to be someone who can call you out. Do you have so much pride that no one can call you out? Are you a listener? Are you a learner? You know, I, I'm just be really honest with you. I just, um, I have really involved parents. And I just grew up with really involved parents. Just, um, you know, they call, I think now, it's, they're called helicopter parents. And even my mom now says, I was a helicopter parent, always circling around you all and telling you what to do. But I developed, and this is my deal, not hers, but especially when I had our, our first child, I don't know why I developed this sense of like, 
defensiveness anytime she made a suggestion or a criticism. Um, and, and I could make all sorts of excuses, but it became sort of a habit. And God had to really show me, you are not teachable. Some of the stuff she's telling you, even though it may not be in the package that you like, you know, I wanted it a different package. I want it in a different way. I want to be complimented 10 times and then told what to do, you know, differently. We've got to stay teachable. If we don't stay teachable, then we are in trouble. Who are you accountable to? Who will you listen to? Because if you don't have those two things, and and the Bible talks tons about wise counsel, wise counsel, wise counsel. Um, I even asked my husband a a really silly question, and he was like, I don't, you know, that's not important to me whether you do that or not do that. And I said, but I just need need you to know this. I need you, I for some reason need to be accountable, and he's my best friend, and We'll be married 24 years in a couple of days. And, I mean, I thank God that I can be accountable to him. And um, I don't always like it. Oh, my goodness. His, um, he, I would love to teach him to communicate differently. Is there anybody that would join me in that? I mean, I would love to teach him. But after 24 years I, and, 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 and dating three years, so 27 years, I've realized I am not teaching him anything. He is him. He is him. But God speaks through him to me. And God even speaks to husbands that aren't seemingly listening to God. Because that's just God. He wants us to be humble. Humble before him. Humble before others. Learning from others. We can learn from a lot of people that we would maybe dismiss just by outside appearances or the way that they talk or um, their education level. We need to be humble and teachable and accountable. Pride is, I think, the abomination that we need to look out for the most. The second thing that that God says um, that he hates is a lying tongue. And, of course, we know what lying is, but I had to look it up, too, in the, in the Hebrew. Because I think it just enriches what we're saying. It just enriches um, our minds and our hearts to kind of grab hold of, whoa, I can see that in me. When we can see more and more of a, of a definition of a word, it's a falsehood, a deceit, deceives, disappoints, betrays, fraud, injurious in testimony, false tongue, in vain. And it's from the root word to deal falsely, trick, or cheat. Here's something interesting. I teach 11th graders, or um, maybe I should say this. I facilitate 11th graders on Sunday mornings. Even though I have a 12th grader and a 4th grader, facilitate 11th graders in discussion. And it was so amazing to me that they would open up and say that one of their biggest temptations and biggest pressures is to cheat in school. And I thought, well, yeah, 
because they've got to make this certain GPA and they've got to do this and they've got to do that. And not all of them are good test takers. Not all of them are good memorizers. Not all of them are able in that pressure to cheat. And I, and I thought about that so much and I thought, you know, I really, I have to look at that too, cheating and lying. And, and is there any times that, that we lie? The scariest thing is when you lie to yourself, you know? When you think about thought about somebody or you, um, get in a real funk and you lie to yourself like, well, you know, it's because I really, really have it bad. And our brethren around the world are suffering with the same sufferings that we are and more, more suffering. I don't know if it's really happier to live in America and have all this stuff or if it's happier to live in say, Uganda, and be more seeking food and shelter. You know, and Downey speaking about being a missionary, she was like, the joy that people had for just the basics and slowing down and the humility and the ability to, to learn and the teachability. It's amazing how a lot of times... Um, I sing in the contemporary service at church, and I can't, I, I can't sing, so I'm not really sure why I'm up there. I mean, it really is pretty funny, because I really am not a singer. I've never sang in my entire life. And um, so I'm up there singing, and I, I'm mic'd up. I keep thinking, if they would just turn the mic down, I would feel a lot more comfortable, because I know it's not perfect or right or whatever. I just love worshiping God. And there's people out there with these somber faces that... You know, they're probably going through some stuff, but there's other people out there with joy on their face that I know one lady whose husband's fighting cancer right now. I know another lady whose husband left her after 35 years. I know another man who just lost his job and has four kids, and he's out there praising God. We need to have that humility and ability and teachability and have that gratitude. I think, honestly... It comes from gratitude. Are we grateful? Are we grateful? Or do we look at what we don't have or what is wrong? A lying tongue. Obviously, we can think about this um, in just small white lies as well. Like little things that we don't think are any big deal because they're just uh, little lies. And I found that in my life, if I say a white lie, it bugs me so much that I actually not only repent, but I will start, I, I pray to give the right answer. Maddie is, you know, almost 18 and she is sick of school. I remember that place. I mean, she's just sick of school. She's sick of AP physics. She's sick of honors English. Nothing against her teachers. Nothing against anything. She's tired of school. And sometimes, and none of them get enough sleep, by the way. They're all sleep deprived. It's crazy. They're supposed to be getting like eight or nine or ten hours of sleep for their, especially girls, for their hormones to renew. I didn't know that when I was their age. And they're getting more like five. 
so they can make the grade and have all these outside activities and have the right resume and blah, blah, blah. And so Maddie just told me, she just said, I, I, she wrote a note on her door because she had asked her dad, can I skip school tomorrow? And he said, absolutely not. And she wrote a note on her door saying, please do not wake me up. I am so exhausted. And so I had to call the school. I, 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 you know, a mom's inclination is, what do I say? Because you don't say, you know, yes, hello, this is Kathleen Witten. Um, yes, I just wanted to let you know that my daughter is really exasperated with your school and won't be there today. Okay, well, that's truth. But God can show us other truths without having to lie. I don't have to say, you know, I think she might have the stomach virus. That's a lie. And what does that sound like in front of my son, Storm, who I'm telling don't lie, and I'm saying on the phone to the attendance office about his sister, you know, I really think she's coming down with something. Okay, I didn't say that, actually. I said Maddie is in bed and really, really exhausted. And I hope that when she wakes up, she feels better. How simple is that? The Holy Spirit is so smart. And if we will just go to him, then we don't have to do the little white lies. And then the big lies are the big lies. But to God, they're all lies. And he says that lies are enemies to him. He hates them. Isn't that what it says? He hates lies. We should hate lies. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Innocent means guiltless, blameless, clean, clear, exempted, free from guilt, unpunished, acquitted, and pure. And interestingly enough, do you know that that is who you are in Christ? Guiltless? That when God looks down on us, he sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees us as... God's own redeemed children through Christ Jesus, guiltless. So even walking around with guilt, that's not what God wants. He wants you to receive Christ's forgiveness and not walk around with guilt. But here it says, hands that shed innocent blood. I mean, obviously, obviously, what an obvious thing that God would hate that. And yet it happens all the time in the newspapers and especially, I think, the most innocent are the children. And it's, it's sickening to read about the deaths of children and the evil that's in the world. God hates it. Number four, Proverbs 6.18 says, A heart that devises wicked plans. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. I mean, obviously, I think of like Hitler, you know. I, there's, I mean, horrible, horrible leaders around the world. Um, there's also people that just are kind of scary. Like this guy that checked me out at Target one time. Not, he didn't check me out. I mean, he wasn't, check, I mean, he's the cashier. Anyway, that didn't sound right, but whatever. If you laughed, then that was probably good for you. Um, and, and he started talking about anarchy 
He was like, just brace yourself for anarchy because that is our generation. No rules, nothing. And I thought about the people marching on Wall Street. And, you know, it could be humorous to some people, but it's also kind of scary that anyone in, in a generation would have an idea that anarchy would cause anything but total chaos and evil. I mean, God put parameters for a reason. Even when I drive Storm to school, there's a policeman stopping cars and directing cars for a reason. So we don't run into one another. And so hating rules and and wanting anarchy and devising wicked plans in your heart. I mean, think about the people that are geniuses that devise web viruses. I mean, what a stupid thing. My my mom, I mean, yeah, it's just a waste of time. I mean, she's got to get a new email address because it sent out all sorts of messages. And then at one point, Lacey's office sent out all sorts of messages that were quite interesting. Um, yeah. And, um, you, you know, it's ridiculous. And I think those people are so smart. Either they work for the not the virus protection companies and have to create new viruses, which I think you know, I'm, is still a conspiracy theory that I hold, which is still wicked. Or they're just people that are brilliant and they could use that brilliance for something else. God hates a heart that devises wicked plans. What is wicked? Anything that's not of God. He hates feet that are swift and running to evil. I think this is interesting because of the word repentance. I just think of the opposite of feet running to evil is repentance, which means literally translates to turn the other way. Do I run to myself to get advice? Do I run to my culture? Do I run to Google first? Or do I run to God, you know? And I'm not saying Google's evil. And I'm not saying calling our friends is evil. I'm just saying, who do we put first? Who do we put first? And so, you know, sometimes I have to look at God's word and look at the circumstances around me and say, God's word says, you know, I would have given up hope unless I knew that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He says that. And so if I'm not seeing his goodness right now, it's, I'm not going to believe the circumstances around me. I'm going to have joy in the fact that God will Make this right. God's going to make everything right. He's going to make everything right. No one's getting away with anything. I mean, I think that that is something that aggravates all of us, is to see especially world leaders and and think, golly, they're getting away with these things. No, they're not. No, they're not. You know? I think even doctors are held in a special accountability because they're taking care of God's lambs. And remember Jesus saying, Peter, do you love me? 
And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep. You know, what an accountability. We have it too to take care of people. And, and it's not that we're not forgiven. It's just that we need to be caring about people and definitely not have feet that are swift and running to evil. Wicked, unrighteous, unjust, plans and thoughts and purposes and inventions. Um, it's from the root word, evildoer, to be displeasing, to shatter. And you know what? Sometimes people kind of enjoy evil. I don't know what it is about our human nature, but running to evil, like running to even hear about evil versus saying, you know, I don't really want to defile myself with that information. I've got enough information in my head that I would like to get rid of versus running to evil. So what is the opposite of that? Repenting, running to God. Running to God. Just having that habit of running to God. Proverbs 6.19 says, A false witness who speaks lies. That's pretty obvious, but I think about how innocently people get together and just chat and don't really know. They'll. I mean, I've done it. We've all done it. Like, I don't really know if this is true, but I heard that. That can be so damaging. It can be so devastating. A false witness who spreads lies. Obviously, there's court witnesses who are not saying the truth. But God hates it. A false witness who speaks lies. And then number seven, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So, of course, just... For us to be in remembrance of that word, what you sow is what you put forth, what you cast forth. Like the seed that you sow will be the plant that you reap. And then brethren actually means relative brother or sister in Christ. So the brethren are your brothers and sisters in Christ and your family. And God hates The one. He doesn't just say, I hate it when someone. He says, I hate the one who sows discord among the brethren. And God just asked me a question this morning to ask you all and to ask everybody that's listening to this message. Are you a peacemaker or a provoker? Or both? Because growing in Christ... We need to realize, yeah, there might be some interesting things in being a provoker that might occur. Some, some people have that inclination. Um, my sister wouldn't mind me telling this, but, I mean, she, she was the kind of little kid that would kind of, like, come up and yank your hair just to see what you would do. But I'm talking about adults as provokers In our families, do we kind of set other people up to be mad at people? Do we provoke or do we cause peace? Because we're supposed to be peacemakers. Half the time, what that means is we need to shut our mouths. Just because we know information doesn't mean that we got to tell it. 
Just because we know information doesn't mean we need to disclose it. And just because someone asks us doesn't mean that we need to tell it. That's hard because it's a hard habit to break, especially with just certain people in your life until you realize, you know what? I'm being a provoker here. I'm going to admit to you, I will get exasperated with one of our children and I will do everything I can to get this child to behave or do whatever. And then sometimes, it's becoming less often, but sometimes I will call Lacey at work and tell him everything that this child has done so that when he comes home, he's already totally provoked this child. And so this child can like drop a spoon on the floor and he'll be like, would you be careful what you're doing? And I realize I'm not being a peacemaker here. I, I, I need to realize what information am I relaying to my husband that he needs to know versus the information that I just want to get it off my chest. Okay, great. We'll do that with God. Just be like, God, this child is really bothering me. Because, you know, we love our children, but we don't always like them. And they love us, but they don't always like us. I remember one of my... One of my sisters, we have this in, in my parents' house, this, um, my dad's an architect, and it's like this big open space for where the upstairs literally looks down to the downstairs open in the kitchen. Um, and so one of my sisters would get mad at my mom and literally throw notes down that would say, I don't like you. I hate you, you know? So it's not that we always have to like everybody, but we have to realize when we get provoked, do we go to God or do we go to others or are we provokers by simply the information that we relay or by the way that we interact with people or are we peacemakers? Sometimes you'll even have a conversation with people where, and it especially seems to be like in a work environment, um, where one person is, is being picked on or whatever. And sometimes just human nature is you're so excited that you're not the one being picked on that you also saw those same faults in that person. So you might as well back up the person that's picking on the other person. That's being a provoker. Being a peacemaker is changing the subject. But mostly I think it's being silent. I think it's so amazing. I tell Maddie all the time, I said, you know, it's just so much easier not to say something than to try to take something back that you've already said. And I have to really think about that because I'm a talker. You know, some people are naturally listeners. They're very, very reticent, very... Thinkers like Lacey will think a lot before he speaks. So what he says carries a lot of weight. And I'm thinking of what I might say before he's even answered the question that I've asked him because he takes so long to respond. And I just am realizing more and more that humility and being a peacemaker so often means silence. What did Jesus do when 
the woman was pulled out in an, in an adulterous act and the Jews were trying to, or Judaizers, I should say, were trying to accuse her and saying what should happen. What did he say? He wrote on the sand. God wrote on the sand. And the Bible doesn't even say what he wrote. And then, after, this is what I believe, Jesus the man, fully man, fully God, Jesus the man, after he conferred with his father, see, he took time to ride on the sand. After he conferred with his father, then he said, you know, the one of you that is does not have sin, be the first one to throw the stone. He got wisdom. And, and I believe so often to be a peacemaker, we have to slow down, be quiet, and get wisdom. These are the seven things that God hates. Yes, seven are even an abomination to him. You know, really, all seven are an abomination. Pride, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and the one who sows discord among the brethren. We have Thanksgiving coming up. Are you going to be a peacemaker or a provoker? I'm not kidding. I mean, honestly, think about your family gatherings and how easy it is to be a provoker. We're to be peacemakers all over the world. And I believe that that's what God would see in our lives, that that was what people would see God, let me rephrase that, in us. Um, If there was so much less of me and so much more of him, That's my prayer for us. God, let there be so much less of me and so much more of you. The world does not need more of you. (laughs) I'm just being honest. Or me. The world needs more of Jesus. And the more word we have in us and the more we commune with God, the more Jesus we have in us to give. And we need to know the things that God hates because we don't want to do them inadvertently and not even know. God forgive us for our sins that we don't even know. Let's end in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your precious word. I thank you for your clearness, your directness. I thank you that you give us the power. We don't have within our own means the power to do all of these things right. But you say that you will help us and that no temptation will seize us except for what is common to man and that you will provide a way out. Sometimes we just need to slow down, go to you, and find that way out. Lord, help us in our habits that are evil. Let's just call it what it is. It's not a habit or a negative aspect of our personality. It's evil. 
We don't want anything in our lives to be an abomination disgusting to you, Lord Jesus. Please do forgive us for our blind spots and our sins that we can't even admit to you because we don't even know that we have them. Lord, I just pray for just a special renewal in our hearts and a special desire to want to go to you and please you, read your word, and be Jesus. Let him come out in us to others instead of just ourselves. How are we different from the world? We thank you, Lord, for every single person in our life. And I just want to ask that we think about someone that perhaps has wronged us and that we just forgive them right now. Unforgiveness is pride. Being offended is pride. And our thinking that we're smarter than you ever is pride and I just thank you that you're so big and we're so little and we can trust you in everything every aspect of our lives whatever is happening in Jesus name Amen Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost Thousands of people in 40 countries download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive.